welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. Out of love and respect for the Word of God, would you stand with me as we begin to read in verse number 1. Jesus is speaking. The Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took uh, took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he, Jesus, answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for the Word of God. And thank you for the promise of the blessed hope that every one who is saved can look forward to. Thank you that you have provided a salvation that is a no-so salvation. Thank you that we can be born again and know it without a shadow of a doubt. Thank you, Father, that you promise that one day soon you're going to come back for the saved. You tell us in your word in the gospel of John to not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then you said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And you promise us that you're going to prepare a place for us. And if you prepare a place, you will come again and receive us unto yourself that where you are, there we may be also. Now, Lord, I ask you to help me this morning to make clear the subject you've given me to preach. I thank you that the great majority of this crowd today can say, I am saved and I know that I'm saved. I'm asking you to touch the hearts of those who are here that do not know those who are struggling with doubts and uncertainty. I don't believe there's a person here that wants to miss heaven and go to hell. 
and yet some don't know for certain that they're saved. Lord, I'm asking you to speak to our hearts. Help me to make the message very plain and very simple so that the least person here can understand exactly what's being said. And Father, I'm asking you to save every soul here today that does not know you as Savior. We know that you died on Calvary for us. And we know that you paid salvation's price and purchased a free gift that is offered to any man and every individual who will come to you by faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that this question will be settled in hearts this morning and we can go away from this service rejoicing in Jesus Christ and a no-so salvation. Fill me with thy spirit. Use me as your instrument, and I'll give you thanks and praise and glory and honor for every decision made. And I'll do it in advance, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The next great event on God's calendar for America and for the world is what Christians know as the blessed hope. That is the coming of Jesus Christ for the saved. The Bible is a book about the coming of Jesus Christ. Genesis through uh, Nehemiah, the theme is Jesus is coming. The theme of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is Jesus has come. And the theme of the rest of the Bible, Acts through Revelation, is Jesus is coming again. In Matthew chapter 24... The disciples asked the question, Lord, when are you coming and how can we know that the time is near? And Jesus goes through the process of telling them and us some of the things we're to look for to know that his coming is near, even at the door. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives three illustrations of what it will be like when he comes again. In Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, Jesus illustrates what it'll be like at the rapture when Jesus comes for the saved. In Matthew chapter 14, on through uh, chapter uh, verse number 30, he illustrates what it'll be like at the judgment seat of Christ when all of the saved will stand before God and give an account for our lives as Christians and how we lived it for Him. We'll be judged according to our stewardship. Then beginning in, in verse number 31 and on through the remainder of the chapter, Jesus illustrates what it'll be like at the revelation when Jesus returns to the earth and the judgment of the nations take place. For the message this morning, I want us to look at the first of these three illustrations. What will it be like when the rapture takes place, when Jesus comes for the saved? In Matthew 25, verse number 6, we take our text for the message. The Bible says, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And I must ask this question, are you ready for His coming? Have you made the preparation 
for His coming. Verse number 10 tells us that when He came, those that were ready went in with Him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Those that were ready, there'll be no opportunity to get ready when that trumpet sounds. There'll be no second chances when the trumpet sounds. When Jesus comes, those who have made preparation will be the ones that will go in with Him to the marriage supper, and the door will be shut. Now, midnight hours, our text comes from verse number 6, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Midnight hours in the Bible almost always refer to a time of judgment. In the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 29, the Bible says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. At midnight, that nation faced their hour of judgment, their midnight hour. God judged Egypt. In Job chapter 34, verse 20, Elihu said unto Job, In a moment shall they die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight and pass away. Every individual is going to face that time that midnight hour when we've got to face God and the decision that we've made in reference to Him. In our Scripture reading today, our Lord tells us about the time of the rapture of the saved and how it will be in a real sense a midnight hour of judgment that begins for all who do not know Jesus as their Savior. A midnight hour for those who have never been born again. You see, when the saved are caught out, this world will go into a time of tribulation such as the world has never known before. At the coming of Jesus Christ, what's going to be the blessed hope for the Christian will be a time of judgment for the unsaved that are left behind. And in our Scripture today, the Bible tells us that some will be ready when Jesus comes. Some will be unready. Some will be saved. Some will be lost. Some will be on their way to heaven. Others will be left to face the tribulation and then hell without hope and without God. And I've got to ask this question how will you face that midnight hour? Will it be the blessed hope or will it be no hope? Will it be rejoicing or will it be regret and sorrow and hopelessness? Our message this morning is very simple. I want you to remember three main things about this passage. The Bible, I want you to remember, first of all, the fallacy of the foolish virgins. Secondly, I want you to remember the folly 
of the wise virgins. And then lastly, we'll look at the future of all of those virgins. Notice, first of all, the fallacy of the foolish virgins. Look, if you will, at verse number 3. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Verse number 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Here's the fallacy of these foolish virgins. They were not atheists. They were not infidels. They were not pagans somewhere having never heard. Here's the fallacy. They pretended to be saved and were not. They pretended to be ready for Jesus' coming, but were not ready. They pretended that everything was all right between them and their relationship with God, but it was not all right. God knew it was not all right. They knew it was not all right. The devil knew it was not all right. They pretended to be saved, but were not saved. In every generation and in every situation, you always have a group of people that go through the process of pretending. I really don't understand this. I don't understand why people go through their life pretending to be Christians, pretending to be saved, and in their heart they know they're not. It's a lot more difficult to go through life pretending than settle the matter by faith in Jesus Christ. Just get it settled. Come to God the Bible way. Give up all of those things and all of the religious pretense and come to God the Bible way through Jesus Christ. And by the way, He is not a way. He is the way. He is the only way. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Can you look back and remember when you as an individual personally and individually and definitely accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I want you to know if you cannot look back to that time when you were saved, you've got great trouble when it comes to eternity. You're not ready for Jesus to come. You say, Preacher, I don't believe you can know. Well, the Bible says the only kind of salvation God presents is a no-so salvation. God said, These things have I written unto them that believe that ye may know you have eternal life. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Oh, there's no such thing as salvation and not knowing you have it. You know, Mrs. Smith and I have been married for 53 years. There's never been a day in those 53 years I didn't know I was married to her. I was there when it happened. I said, I do. She said, I do. We did and have been for 53 years now. It's foolish for someone to say, well, I don't know if I'm married or not. And yet people say, I don't know if I'm saved or not. You know, my salvation birth is more real to me than my physical birth. 
Now, I've got to be honest with you. I don't remember getting born. Now, I know I was because Mama told me. And Mama wouldn't, Mama wouldn't lie to her son. But I don't remember it. It seems as though we ought to remember it. We came out of... It, it was a very traumatic experience. We came out of a quiet, warm place to a loud, bright place. Besides that, the first thing that happened to me, I got a spanking. But you know, I don't remember that. And you'd think I ought to because they said I was born naked. But I don't remember it. But let me tell you, I remember when I got born again. August the 23rd, 1954, as a 15-year-old teenage boy sitting in a revival meeting, heard the gospel preach. I knew that I was lost. I knew that I was going to hell. I knew that I'd been pretending all of this time, though I had been in church since a six-year-old boy. I did not know that I was saved. I did not have peace about my salvation. I could not give you assurance of my salvation. There was no witness of the Holy Spirit of God within me. And that day I walked down that aisle, and as a 15-year-old boy, the best I knew how, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And you know what He did? He saved me. And there's never been a day since that I haven't known Him. How foolish it is to think that we can be saved and not know it. And how foolish it is we, for us to think that we can pretend and fool God. You may fool me. You may fool the pastor. You may fool your parents. You may fool your spouse. But you're not going to fool God. On every child of God, there is an indelible blood mark. We have been washed from our sins by the shed blood of Jesus. The congregation sang about it a couple of different songs this morning. To know that we know. The fallacy of these foolish virgins, they didn't know. And instead of getting right, they just pretended. And the bridegroom came. That's Jesus. He came. And they weren't ready. And they said to those that were ready, Give us of your oil. And they said, Not so, lest there be not enough for you and us. Salvation is just enough for me. My salvation can't take my wife and me to heaven, just me. But God's got the same salvation available for my wife and available for you. Thank God I remember when Mom and Dad got saved, but they're getting saved, couldn't get me to heaven. It had to be an individual, personal, definite decision I made by trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. I can look back and remember it. I, I, you say, well, I remember getting baptized, but I don't remember getting saved. I got baptized at age 12. I thought it was the right thing to do, but I'd never been saved. You say, well, where would you have gone? To hell! Baptism don't get you to heaven. Baptism is a testimony, a public profession of the individual who has accepted Christ as Savior. It identifies us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Someone in their prayer this morning prayed that He was raised for our justification. Thank God 
for Jesus who makes it possible for sinners to be saved. You say, preacher, I just don't know. I just don't know. Well, you can know. The foolish thing is to go through life not knowing when you can know. 2,000 years ago on that old rugged cross, Jesus died to purchase our salvation. He purchased a gift of God, salvation, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Ever since we've been old enough to understand, He's been trying to give us that gift but it'll do us absolutely no good unless we accept it personally and individually. It's already complete. It's free. It's finished. It's for anyone who would like to be saved and know that, they're, uh, that Jesus is their Savior. You can know today. You can know. Many today in our churches are like these foolish virgins. They're only pretending. People who visit our churches many times don't know that they know that they're saved. Now, let me show you something here. Not everybody religious is going to heaven. Jesus introduces this uh, passage by saying, then the kingdom of heaven is likened to ten virgins. Generally speaking, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God... He's talking about a spiritual kingdom that we enter into by the new birth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3. The kingdom of heaven generally is referring to an earthly kingdom made up of all who profess Christian religions. It's Christendom. But not all here that profess Christianity were ready for Jesus to come. Five were saved. Five were unsaved. Five were ready. Five were unready. Five were on their way to heaven. Five were on their way to hell. Yet they all were religious. You know what's worse than going to hell from a bar stool? Going to hell from a church pew. Having heard and heard and heard and never accepting Christ as Savior. What a tragedy. What a terrible situation. Now, let me show you. I, I have a hard time. I can't tell the difference just looking at people between saved people and lost people. Just looking on the outside, I, I can't know. I, I don't know. But God does. God says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Your name's in His book. You've been washed by His blood. You've been saved by the death of His own Son. You've been born into the family of God. God knows His children, and He knows those who are pretending but aren't. Not everybody that says, I'm, I'm a Christian, has been born again. That's what he's letting us know here. That's what he's teaching us in this passage. Not everybody that says, I'm a church member, is a born-again church member. And the thing I want to emphasize here today is the fallacy of living our life, telling everybody we're ready for heaven, and knowing in our heart that we're pretending. 
that we're not saved, we're not ready. God tells us in the book of the Revelation, I believe it's in chapter 22, concerning heaven, nothing that defileth shall enter into that city. That's the reason you've got to be born again. We've got to be washed of our sin by the blood of Jesus. Why, if God would let you into heaven without getting saved, you'd pollute heaven for everybody that's there. You must be born again. The fallacy of the foolish virgins was that they pretended to be ready, and they were not ready. Now, I want you to notice something about these foolish virgins. They were all good people. They're called virgins, but they were lost. They were all religious. All of them said, I'm waiting for the bridegroom to come. They all were religious, but these five were lost. They all had good intentions. All ten of them wanted to go to heaven. All ten of them wanted to go in with Jesus, but only five were ready when Jesus came. All ten arose at the midnight cry, but only the saved were allowed to enter in. And verse number 10, they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. You may meet all of these conditions. You may be a good person. You may be morally clean. You may be religious. You have good intentions. You want to go to heaven when you die or when Jesus comes. But in your heart, you know you're lost. God knows you're lost. The Holy Spirit knows you're lost. Jesus knows you're lost. And above all else, in your heart, you know. You know. Christians aren't confused about their salvation. I know whom I have believed. And I simply want to say to you on this point of the message, there'll be no imposters getting aboard the old ship of Zion when Jesus comes. Many of you have read the story of the Titanic that hit the iceberg, the unsinkable ship that sunk, hit the iceberg. They didn't have enough lifeboats or life preservers for the multitudes that were on board. And they decided that the women... And the children first should get aboard the lifeboats. It is said in some accounts that the men stood on the deck holding hands, singing as the ship was going down to its watery grave, nearer my God to thee. But there was an account of one man who didn't want to go down with the ship. And he went in and put on a woman's dress and a woman's hat and dressed up like a woman and tried to slip into a lifeboat. I've told you that story to say that we can't dress up and pretend to be a Christian and slip into heaven. Jesus knows the difference. Jesus knows the difference, the fallacy of the foolish virgins. Secondly, I want you to notice the folly of the wise virgins. That's in verse number 5. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Here's the folly. Here's the sad thing is that the Christians were acting like the unsaved. The Christians were acting like those that weren't ready. These wise virgins, though they had been saved, were unconcerned about those who lived around them that were not saved. You do know that the majority of the people we live around 
don't know Jesus as their Savior. And it's God's will for us to be His light, to be His salt, to be His witness. It's God's will that we tell them about Jesus and help lead them to that place of preparation so they too can be ready. But here the Bible says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. I wonder how many people in Austin, Texas have never heard a witness about Jesus Christ as Savior. I wonder how many of you, though you're saved and you're ready, are living like Jesus is not going to come back for another hundred years. They were unconcerned about those that lived around them and unsaved. Too many of God's children are like the five wise virgins. Though they're saved, they were acting like the unsaved. They were asleep, asleep. Our churches are filled today with Christians that are spiritually asleep in regard to the will of God and the need of others around them. What a terrible thing when we as Christians come to that place that we grow cold and uncaring and unloving and we let people live and die and go to hell all around us, and we do nothing to warn them. These were real Christians who ignored the needs of lost people in their family and lost people among their friends, lost people in their neighborhoods. How sad it is when we no longer are concerned about the lost condition of others. We're insensitive, uncaring, unloving, those for whom Jesus died mean nothing to us. God help us. We live, they unsaved live around us. They die without even one Christian who cares about their eternal soul. Oh, the folly of Christians today. While the bridegroom tarries, we all slumber and sleep. I thank God there's some people here that care. Somebody invited many of you today. Somebody is witness to many of you today. And you're here because somebody cared about your soul. You're going to discover when you stand before God that the best friends you had are those that loved you enough to tell them about tell you about Jesus Christ. The folly of the wise virgins is while the bridegroom tarried. While Jesus waited on His coming, he tells us to continue doing his business till he comes. His business is wrapped up in the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. People can't find Jesus on their own. They can't understand the Bible without somebody who is saved explaining it. That's the reason God left us here, so that we'll be his light, his witness, his testimony to those that do not know Him. But while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. I want you to know these, these wise virgins were real Christians who ignored the need of lost people in their family and around them. How sad, how sad it is when we no longer are concerned about the lost condition of souls for whom Jesus died. We grow insensitive, uncaring, and unloving. That's completely opposite of what a Christian is when 
walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit. People live around us and they die without even one Christian who cares about their soul. Oh, the folly of Christians today. While the bridegroom tarries, we all slumber and sleep. Some Christians here today are asleep in regard to their need of baptism after salvation. Asleep. First thing God asks every one of us to do after we get saved is to be baptized, to publicly identify and profess our faith in Jesus Christ. Some are asleep in regard to their need of church membership. They're saved, but they just go here or there. They don't belong any place. They're not growing, not serving, not being used because they're asleep. Some are asleep in regard to their own personal devotion life. You're saved, but you don't have a daily personal relationship with Jesus. You don't spend time in His Word. You don't pray. You're not learning and growing. You're not becoming what God wants you to be. Others are asleep in regard to the will and purpose of God for your life. He has a will for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Do you know what it is? While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Lastly, notice the future of all the virgins. Notice, first of all, the future of the wise virgins. They that were ready went in with him, Jesus, to the marriage, and the door was shut. Went in with Christ to the marriage, and when they went in, God shut the door. They were shut in with Jesus. They were shut in from the judgment of God on the earth. They were shut in with Jesus from the terrible time known as the tribulation on the earth. They were shut in with Jesus in heaven and shut out from eternal hell. They were shut in with Jesus from all the heartaches of the damned and the doomed. They were shut in with Jesus from the wages of sin and the torments of Satan. That door shut them in with Jesus for all eternity to spend eternity in heaven with Him. That door shut them in to spend eternity in their heavenly mansions, to walk the street of gold, to look at the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. That door shut them in to the blessedness of joy in the glory land of God shut in to be with Jesus. Just as God shut the door on the ark and shut Noah and his family in the ark from the judgment outside, God's going to shut his children in from the judgment that's about to come upon the earth. Then notice the future of the foolish, the unready, the unsaved. Look at verse number 10. They that were ready went in with him and the, to the marriage, and the door was shut. Verse 11, Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Oh, my. They pretended, but Jesus said, I know you not. Does he know you today? Does he know you? The same door that shut the saved in with Jesus shuts the unsaved out from the blessedness of heaven. 
shuts them out from the peace and the mercy and eternal life with God in heaven. This door shut them out to spend their forever with Satan in the lake of fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. This door shut the unsaved out to spend their eternity in that lake of fire with every evil and wicked sinner who's ever lived without God. Every piece of human scum who's lived without God, who's ever polluted our society, will be your companion in that lake of fire forever, shut out from God, shut out from heaven, shut out by their own unbelief, shut out because they did not receive Jesus Christ as Savior. When God shut the door, the Bible says no man can open it. When God shut the door on the ark, how many of the people outside got in? Either you were ready and went in when God said go in, or He shut the door and they drowned in the flood. There's not one chance in 10 trillion that an unsaved person can slip into heaven. You must be born again. And you listen to me today. I don't believe you're here because you don't believe in God. I, I don't believe you're here today because you don't want to go to heaven. I believe the fact that you're here is evident that you know there's a God in heaven and you know there's an eternity to face, but you have to be honest today, some of you, and say, I don't know I'm ready. I don't know I'm saved. Oh, the tragedy of facing eternity without hope. When I was a little boy in Sunday school, we used to sing a little chorus said, One door and only one, and yet the sides are two, inside and outside. On which side are you? Which side of that door will you be on when Jesus shuts that door? Inside with Him or shut out without hope and without God and without mercy? There's coming a day when we're going to have our last chance to get saved. I wonder if this could be somebody's last chance today. I close with this. In Life magazine, back in the 70s, there appeared a story about a group of young people in Grenoble, France. It was during the rock concert age, and they had rented an old tavern building that had been abandoned to have a rock concert. They went in, cleaned it up. They opened the door. Nobody thought about checking the exit door. And all the exit doors were shut and chained. They went in, sold their tickets. The crowds came. The place filled up. The rock concert started and all the hellishness that goes on at one of those things. And then someone cried, Fire! Fire! The place is on fire! And there was a rush to the exit doors. The fire spread. The, the, the firemen came. They rushed to the doors, but the doors were shut and chained. They said they could hear people on the other side of the door begging and screaming, clawing, scratching on the doors, trying to get out. 
but the doors were shut. Finally, when the firemen broke the doors down, they found 144 young people that perished at the door, but the door had been shut. I wonder if this can be but a simple example of what it might be like for somebody here if Jesus should come and you're not ready. You're not ready. You can be ready. That's what this service is about. Anyone who'd like to be saved can be saved. But you can't devise your own way. There's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Are you ready? Do you know that you know that you're saved? Or will you be one of those crying at the door, but it's too late because Jesus had come and you had never gotten ready? You'd never accepted Jesus as Savior. Not one person here has to die and go to hell today. But in order to go to heaven, you must be born again. You must be saved. And you can't get saved your way. You've got to come God's way. The way of salvation is God's plan. It's God's provision. And God said, I'm paying for your sin debt by sending my own Son to this earth to become a man, to be tempted in all points as we are tempted, yet without sin. And then I'm going to take my sinless Son of God and allow Him to be nailed to an old rugged cross. And there on that cross, He'll become sin for us. And I'll pour out my wrath on Jesus, paying for your sins and mine. And he said, Then whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved today. You can get ready today. You can know that heaven's your home today, but not without coming God's way. Father, that's our message this morning. Would you speak to our hearts? Lord, the majority of the people here are saved and they know it and I thank you for it. But I come to it especially for those that don't know. Let this be that wonderful day when they settle forever that Jesus is their Savior and heaven is their home. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.